Morning, everyone. Welcome to Jubilee. Welcome. That was brilliant. Yeah, we love... Um, vegans have been amazing. Hannah and I have benefited a lot as well. I, yeah, everything they've said. <laughs> so good, wasn't it? Um, cool, we're going to be just taking some time uh, to look at the Word of God now. So if it's your first time, if you've come with a guest or if your mum that's been brought or you, your mum's brought you today, then uh, you're really, really welcome. Please feel at home. Uh, we have quite a relaxed uh, approach to church life, as you'll probably be finding, as some of us are chasing kids, little volcanoes around the place. Um, but please be at home and, uh, and ask any question afterwards. If something doesn't make sense, obviously you come into a new place and language and everything's new, so please do ask. Uh, we've, we love just celebrating uh, mums and mother figures in this place. And um, we've got, if, you're, if you are a lady, so anyone, then there's some flowers for you on your way out. So there's 150 bunches, so there's plenty. And if you think, oh, I want to take some, I've forgotten, and I need to take something to my mum, then, then guys, you can uh, benefit from that as well. Um, but we just wanted to say uh, just thank you. It's a role that we do not underestimate. I know today... It carries that, that sort of two-edged thing, doesn't it? You know, where scripture says that we're to weep with those that are weeping, but we're to have joy with, you know. And, and I realise one of these kinds of days has that double side to it. So we do recognise that. And if today's hard, then, uh, yeah, we're praying for you. And uh, we hope that God will encourage you. We were praying that just before the service. Charles Spurgeon, who is a, a Christian preacher, uh, he said this. I read it just this week. I thought I'd repeat it here. I'm sure that in my early youth, no teaching ever made such an impression upon my mind as the instruction of my mother. Neither can I conceive that to any child there can be one who will have such an influence over the heart as the mother who has so tenderly cared for her offspring. I thought it was beautifully put. And, um, and we, yeah, we, we really want the, that role to flourish in this place. Great to hear from Fegans. We love what you're doing. Uh, so this morning... Particularly, we're going to be picking up this new series on worship. And uh, so we're going, to, we're going to go into the New Testament, see what Jesus teaches on worship. And then we're going to go to the Old Testament, to a psalm that, if you like, we'll learn the practical and then we'll put it into, uh, into real life and see how does this work when we're trying to worship. So we're starting a new series. It's, it's kind of a mini but mighty series. You know, it's, it's only three weeks, but boy, is it important. And uh, it's just such a fundamental part of the Christian life. It's what we were designed for. It's what we were made for. Um, I, I brought a... Let me grab something. I was thinking, I was trying, you know, in all of this preaching series, I'm reading loads and I'm, I'm studying loads and I'm trying to capture something of what worship is and it's just impossible. It's too big, right? So I was thinking, if, if you were to just see that, what shape would you say it is? Circle. If you were to just, just see that, what would you say it is? And yet we know it's, it's 3D. We know that they're one and the same thing. If, if one person on one side was saying, no, I saw a circle, and they were fighting vehemently, and the other side said, no, no, I saw a, a right, you'd never think the two could go together, and yet it's, it's one thing, it's, it's 3D. And, and worship, you, you can't capture it in one. It's, it's just too massive. It's too important, it's too fundamental to who we are, but also too much of a response to who God is. And uh, so what we're trying to do is we're just trying to capture some of what worship is. Today we'll be looking at some, some part, we'll be asking the question, what is worship? But I, hopefully I'm already, I, I'm probably not going to really answer it particularly well, because um, it's massive. 
I'm hoping that we'll catch a bit of a, a glimpse of what it is. It, it might even, um, as, as we were looking at last week, it will just, it will correct minds. We'll catch a, oh yeah, that is what worship is. Um, and there'll be some tips along the way. It was interesting to hear Fegan's uh, offering tips and tricks to parents. Well, I thought we'd make it practical. So there's some little tips that we can take away to actually implement in worship. A.W. Tozer, um, it'll come up on the screens, I think, the, our PowerPoint. Uh, A.W. Tozer, one of the preachers I was reading, uh, just had this quote that undid me. So I thought I'd share it with you to undo you as well. Um, Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Whoa. Whoa. It's how, how fundamental it is. It's, it's how much a part of who we were designed as and also where we're heading to. So answering A.W. Tozer's quote, how do we get ready for heaven? How do we start preparing for heaven? How do we start grasping some of what worship is? Our worship band have been looking forward to this and helping with preparation. So I just wanted to say thanks to these guys who we can work out lead us in sung worship. I think they do a fantastic job. I genuinely believe we are blessed as a church to not just have the musical ability, but also the hearts that are wanting to lead in, in a kind of worship that exalts God and not us, that looks to continually point us to the one who is worthy of worship. And so thank you. Thank you if you serve in this kind of capacity. Um, I also want to thank them for they've, they've helped sort of with some additional teaching. So we'll have some uh, blogs coming out through the next few weeks. And just while we're looking at the additional teaching, hasn't the riches of God's grace been amazing? If you've signed up to the devotionals, wow. I've, it's just been so good. Daily reminded, 24 reasons Jesus came to die. If you wrote one of those, they have been excellent. Well done. Uh, they've been such a blessing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can probably still sign up and then see. So what is worship? It's 3D. It's going to be hard to define and box in because it's so fundamental to who we are, but who God is. Um, it's often applied to and correctly. In fact, one of the three is going to be about the Christian life. That we don't, again, box worship into to the platform and to a guitar or to our vocal ability on a Sunday morning to... Uh, we don't box it into that. Worship is often applied to the Christian life. The two uh, are, are put together. That the Christian life is meant to be something of worship to God, as well as a Sunday morning when we gather together. But for the purpose of today, I just want us to focus in on this expression of worship when we gather, when we come together and we glorify God together. If we were to try and put that into words, it would be something like worship is the primary activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices, our hearts, and I would actually add to the end of that, our lives. That's, that's what we're kind of getting at. It's the primary activity. It, it's, it's first importance. It comes at the beginning. It's, if you like, it's not a Christian optional extra. And I think when we come in and we get used to the Sunday services, and if this is the sum total of the Christian life then you can see worship as an optional extra, something some enjoy, some don't. Some see it as important, some see it as secondary, some like the preach, some like the work. You you kind of get where I'm... But it's actually, when we look at what worship is, 
it's of primary importance. It's primary in the Christian life. Exodus 7, 16, God demands of Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. Let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. We've been talking about freedom. This kind of phrase, let my people go. Let, let freedom come in this place. And we could ask why? So that you would be free to worship God with everything. So that you would be able to freely come and worship God on a Sunday, in your life, with everything you have. That, if you like, is God's design, God's purpose in setting us free. Let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. So right off the bat, right at the beginning of this, uh, this new service, I want to debunk the train of thought, which is, oh, well, today I don't know if I really feel it. I don't know if, I really, I don't know if I'm really feeling uh, it this morning. I found it really hard to get into worship. Maybe it was the worship leader and the duff note they play, or maybe it was me and just the things on my, you know, I don't really feel it. I, I want to sort of debunk that and just say this is of primary importance. God isn't worth our worship because of our fluctuating mood. It's based on his unchanging nature. It's based on his character and therefore we worship. I remember in the World Cup, Football World Cup now, we're not talking rugby at the moment, sore subject for the Brits, um, but Football World Cup, um, I remember the Argentinians saying of Lionel Messi, He's like a God. And some would even say he is a God. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, if that's your God playing football and that's what they do, you know, okay. Uh, for me, God has to be a bit bigger than that. <laughs> it's a bit specialised. And um, one day he won't be great at football. But anyway, we won't get into to that. They, they said he's like a God. Now, that wasn't based on their ability to play football. It was on his ability to play football, Right. They weren't saying Lionel Messi's like a god because how they played. It was because of how he played. That how they played had nothing to do with it. He's awesome. He can play football like no one else in the world at the moment. And it's the same with worshipping God. Worshipping God is not based on how I'm doing or on me, thank goodness, but on who he is. And he is unchanging and always worthy of worship. His nature never softens. Never, he never has a mood swing. He's always worthy. So tip number one, getting practical. Worship is a response to him and not to us. Therefore, in every season of life, worship of God is appropriate and proper. Now some of us might be thinking, well... That's all well and good, but there are some times where life just gets in the way and it's hard and you go through a breakup, you have ill health, you, you go through a time of suffering and it's not the easiest thing to come in and, and worship to switch your mind from what you're going through to who God is. That, that sounds great as a theory, but it's not that easy, Dan. Why is it not easy? Why when we worship does Jesus not just show up in his glory? That would really help. One day will. But that would really help, right? If he just showed up and then we would, like all of us would be like, oh yeah, not about, yeah, it's about him. The reason is because then worship would be involuntary. You wouldn't have a choice. If Jesus showed up in his glory and majesty, it would be involuntary. Every knee will bow when that happens. Every tongue will confess. 
And right now, God's doing something very special through the church where you can choose to worship the one true God. As you choose him in the everyday life, as you come in and you say, this isn't about me, even though, even though this isn't easy right now. This isn't about me, this is about him, and he has not changed. As you do that, you are like clay in the potter's hands, and he's forming you into something worthy of eternity. He's changing you, he's moulding you. Because of the choice, because uh, he's, he's using this in the grind of every day when you choose to lift your hearts and your minds and everything you have to who he is right now, he is moulding you, and he's changing you. It's something wonderful. Isaiah 62 describes some of what that is. Isaiah says, you will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you. He's doing something. And it is, it's a, it's sometimes it's a battle, isn't it? It's like, if we were made for this, surely it would come easier. Well, you know, one day you will see the flesh line up with the spirit and it will come easy when you see him. Right now, the, the, the sort of the worship in the everyday is part of you being refined and you being changed as you choose to worship him. If you saw him, it would be involuntary. So as we try and grasp our response to who he is, we're going to firstly look at a couple of New Testament teachings where Jesus unpacks what worship is. And, and again, he does some debunking of his own in their day. So we'll look at that and then we'll, we'll look at Psalm 100 and put it into practice together. Sound cool? Good. Three of us. That'll be good. We'll, three, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> so the first scripture uh, that we're looking at, Matthew 15. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 15. It'll come up on screen as well. So there's just a little bit that's not on there, so don't worry at the back. You've got the right scripture. Jesus says, For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. Jesus is looking to teach on what worship is. And it's, it's got to the stage with the Pharisees and the Sadducees where there is, there is what looks quite impressive always, as we know when Jesus confronts them. Um, but actually their hearts really are far from God. They look great, sound the picture, but their hearts are far from God. And so Jesus is teaching on that and he's making this distinction almost between heart and lips. He's using those two pictures to say you can say something with your lips and we can say the right words, we can sing the right song, we can, we can, there can be a nice musical note coming out, but if the heart is not for God, it's in vain, Jesus says. In vain. What you're hoping to achieve is not being achieved if your heart is not connected to your lips. It probably seems too simple a point when we're looking at worship to say that worship is not down to your tone of voice or your skill as a singer or your preference in music. It, it, doesn't, come, it doesn't come down to that, but I don't think it is because I think we sometimes trip into that. 
We find it harder to worship under some styles than others. What's that about? If it's not about me and it's about him, what's that about? I think it maybe seems too obvious like, to say that, but, but when we think of Chris or Jack or Jordan or Ella or the others leading us in worship, are they better at worship than I am because of how they sound? We can get into that, can't we? And that's, that's thinking of the lips and Jesus saying it's a matter of the heart. Yes, they have a role and an important one at leading us towards the throne of God. But they're not better than you at worship. God wants to hear your worship. I think in some ways there is a greater challenge to those on the platform or those in leadership in the church. If you lead worship, I think there is a, there's a real challenge for us if we're up here because actually if Jesus is saying the lips and the heart, they need to match. You can, what happens when the heart strays is the lips keep saying the right thing. And you keep looking good. And it looks good on the outside, but the heart's not for God. And that's a real challenge when you're on stage because it can very subtly happen. And it's a real challenge to keep your heart soft to the Lord. I think like I was trying to picture what it would be like for the, for the person on the stage, you know, the preacher who keeps preaching and keeps engaging people and keeps pointing to the word and yet their heart's really gone hard against God. I was trying to picture what's that like and just this image and it, I once had to do it, but the image of a headless chicken. Um, have you ever heard of that term of phrase? If, if you haven't, then it's you, you footballers that run about and just kind of go everywhere. They're called that because... A chicken that loses its head, genuinely, its body still functions. There's still nerve endings firing. I don't know how it works, but it flaps about and it, it looks living. It's a very weird and bizarre thing to see. And I was thinking that's kind of what's going on. When your heart is still, it has gone dry, but your lips are still doing the right things and saying the right words to God. Man, it's like there's a severing that's gone on. And... And, and it's not right. And maybe you think it's too, it's a weird thing, that how would you get to that place to, to sing the right words but not be, actually, not be actually connecting with God in your heart? How would you ever get there? That's weird, people that do that, surely. And I think it's, it's more subtle than you realise. For instance, if you've ever thought or said these words, uh, which I have, embarrassingly, oh, today's song choices just didn't really do it for me. You know, I, I, prefer, I prefer the hill song and someone else say, no, I prefer, you know, I prefer, I prefer the older ones. I prefer the hymns, you know, they're all really good to sing a good Wesley hymn. I prefer those ones or I prefer this. Then I think we've fallen into the headless chicken trap, as I've now coined it, where you're moving your lips in worship, but your heart isn't really serving the Lord. Have you ever, I mean, when someone says that, I kind of want to stop and just say, you ever thought for a moment we're not worshipping you. If we're worshipping you, or if you said to me, if we're worshipping you, Dan, then sure, have a say in the style or the age of the song or whether you prefer this. But you ever thought, we're not worshipping you. We're worshipping God. You ever wondered what God likes? You ever wondered what style maybe he desires? What, what, kind, of, what kind of worship he loves? And God says he likes it when your hearts line up with your mouth and when you sing to God from that place. And when you declare the glories of God, when you really mean it, and you can sing it in any, any style you like, 
because that's what delights the Lord. When we worship, we're not worshipping one another. And sure, the worship team are trying to, trying to connect us and they're choosing words based on truth and they're doing all of that. So I'm not saying let's just go along with whatever. But when they're leading us, ever wondered that it's not you we're worshipping? So true worship, as we're looking to capture it, true worship is considering carefully what we sing, but it's a matter of the heart and it's a matter of the lips where both align to treasure God for who he is. So tip, check what you say and sing in worship aligns with your heart. And if it doesn't, don't stop singing. Correct the heart. I think sometimes when we, when we worship, we get we're challenged. Oh yeah, I'm not really in that place. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't step into worship. I'll, I'll stop until I'm... That's never how the Christian life operates though, is it? The grace of God means that he does all he has to do for you so that you get to enter in. So don't stop. Just check the heart. Check the heart. Align the heart. The second bit of scripture uh, the, where Jesus teaches on, on what worship is is John 4, 23. So if we'll just turn there, thanks guys. He says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And he's starting to explain uh, he's, he's actually with a lady at this time and he's starting to explain what worship really is and, and how it's different to how they've done things in the past. So worship used to be truth alone. It used to be something that was, was based on the word of God and, and Jesus is saying it's now going to be where tr- you worship in, in truth and in spirit, where the two come together. The true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So true New Testament worship in the church has to do with both truth and spirit. We're going to unpack those two. Notice that when Jesus does this and he's saying that actually you've been worshipping in truth and you've been understanding, but now we're going to worship in spirit. It's not that the spirit does away with truth. It's that you worship and spirit joins truth. They both are how we're to worship. So truth, what do we mean by worshipping in truth? Worshipping in truth, we worship God more fully when we know him more richly, which comes through obeying him more closely. You see, there's, there's a real link to, to what we know of God and, and how we follow him and how we obey his commands. 1 John 2 verse 3 says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. It's not any good to say, yeah, I know the Lord and I know his truth, but to live in a way that doesn't honour his word. You know his truth when you follow his ways and you follow his word. So you know him when you obey his commandments and part of this is in worship. Otherwise we worship in vain. John Piper so often puts these things so well and he says, true worship is based on a right understanding of God's nature and is a right valuing of God's worth comes through knowing him, through understanding, through truth, through the word. These things revealed, you can read them and and understand more of God's true nature. And that is part of worship. (coughs) But it's also, we're to worship in truth and spirit. So what does to worship Jesus in spirit mean? 
Well, the clues in this verse, because it says that God is spirit. God is spirit. I think there's two parts to worshipping God in spirit. Firstly is, is having a heart that is spiritual. So to say that God is spirit means that, among other things, it must originate from within, that true worship must start from within, from the heart. It must be sincere. It must be motivated by our love for God and our gratitude for what he is. If you like to worship God truly, as Jesus says, you need to be alive spiritually. This is what the Bible says when you give your life to the Lord, that you get given a new heart, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. There's a transaction takes place, and if we're to worship God truly, then we need to be alive spiritually. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a, a true heart in full assurance of faith. Someone may not follow Jesus. They may not know him. And they could sing exactly the same words and the same songs as one that does and has professed Jesus as Lord. One is worshipping in spirit and the other isn't. Because it comes down to whether the spirit is alive. <coughs> the second part, so is the spirit alive, is key in worshipping God. The second part is being Holy Spirit led. The Bible talks about God in three persons, Father, Son and Spirit. And we can be led by the Spirit in worship. Philippians 3 says, worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Sorry, everyone. We're to worship in the Spirit of God. What does he mean here? He means in the Holy Spirit. You get to worship in him. Just as the Bible says that you can be found in Christ, you can worship in the Spirit. So there's a sense that truth alone doesn't do it. But the Spirit doesn't usurp it, but joins it. It's going quicker at the back, I think. You dip me down for a second. I'm getting everyone else coughing now, aren't I? How, do, how does hearing it now you've heard me say cough? It's even more likely. If I say yawn, we're all in trouble. Um, okay. Scripture says both and. Worship God in spirit and in truth. So, let's, let's quickly study Psalm 100. If I can welcome up the band at the same time, you're going to have to help me out. Psalm 100. Hopefully. <coughs> close it's up see it at the back oh there we go if you've got your bibles you'll be able to practically read it even okay so psalm 100 i want us to dig into this and understand and see it as it's working so we read Psalm 100 and it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless him. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Okay, I want us to see how when we worship, there is a response of the heart, there is truth, and there is spirit. Okay, I want us to see that. So, first of all, let's see if this is going to work. Make a joyful noise to the Lord or the earth. Come on. Let's link this and this verse together. You see, there are two sections in Psalm 100, both that call us to make a joyful noise. It's all about, it's all about feeling. It's all about the heart. It's all about response. It's all about... It's it's all about picking up his name. There's so many different actions in here. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence. You see, there's so many things that we're called to do in worship. Then the other two verses, or the other two sections, give us the knowledge. Why? Well, they answer it. Know that he is Lord. This is the truth. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The second bit, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So you see, you have two things going on in this psalm. You have both the spirit, you have both the heart, but also you have truth and knowledge. The heart is, is bringing the joyful noise. It's correcting things. It's, it's serving the Lord with gladness. It's coming into his presence with singing. It's thanksgiving. It's, there's blessing his name. And then truth is coming in as well. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. One feeds the other. I think for worship to be fruitful and to carry on growing and for us to carry on delighting in worship, we know truth. Truth feeds the heart. The heart feeds truth. We respond. As we worship God, we, we sing and we make glad noise and, and we, we come into his presence with, with singing and then we remind ourselves once again of truth. Oh, this is why, because he's the God of Israel. He's, he's eternal. He's always good. He's for us. We're his people. And then it goes again, entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we see both truth and spirit united, bringing worship to God. I, I love to start recalling when we worship some of what, what I know to be true of God. I love to do that. I feel like that helps in worshipping God. It connects the heart with the lips, which, as Jesus says, is our key challenge. So you can start thinking, what is true of God? Who is he? And that will feed how you feel towards him. As you allow your spirit and your heart to speak out these good things, praise and adoration will rise. You can't outdo him. You can't go too far on this. And as you delight in him, you will actively choose to follow him. So I wonder if we could stand. We're going to have a time of worship now where we get to put some of these things into practice where we get to start to put into practice how truth and spirit connect, how we can follow him and worship him in spirit and in truth, how both what you know of God will feed your feelings towards him, and then as your feelings towards him and you adore him, you can refresh yourself with truth again. Thank you very much. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist, and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. 
We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.